0: We're in the positive behavior-changing business, and that's hard. And we need this product to be with our coaches and members everywhere they go, frankly, in order to do a good job with that. So in addition to their wearable devices, which are collecting data, we need to be there with them as well. So the more reliable, the faster these devices can collect and transmit data, the better that we can be at those kind of motivational and behavior-changing experiences.
1: Welcome to The Restless Ones. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I've spent more than a decade really learning about technology, what makes it tick, and then describing and explaining that to my audience. But it's the conversations with the world's most unconventional thinkers, the leaders at the intersection of technology and business, that fascinate me the most. In partnership with T-Mobile for Business, I explore the unique set of challenges that CIOs and CTOs face from advancements in cloud and edge computing, software as a service, Internet of Things, and of course, 5G. We are often left wondering how the leading minds in business continue to thrive. Let's find out. Our guest today is Yvette Pasqua, Chief Technology Officer of Exos. Exos calls itself the Human Performance Company, and it focuses on delivering products for athletes, coaches, and other customers to maximize their results when they seek to improve their health, fitness, and athletic performance. The company uses data to refine approaches, correct mistakes, and give customers the boost they need to achieve their goals, even if those goals involve reaching Olympic-level expertise. Yvette joined as Exos's chief technology officer in 2020. You might think joining a company focused on fitness and performance during a pandemic would be challenging. You'd be right. But Yvette is not the type to shy away from a challenge. She meets them eagerly. We sat down to talk about her background and perspective on tech. Yvette, thank you so much for joining us on The Restless Ones. It's truly a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Jonathan. I'm excited to chat with you.
1: Well, one thing I love to do at the very top is just get a little more background on the people I'm speaking with, kind of understand where they're coming from, their perspectives on things. And I love to start off by just asking, how did you first get interested in technology and then in software in particular?
0: Yeah, yeah. Other than being a kid and writing some basic programs in my dork camp that I went to for many, many summers, which I loved, the first real thing I did was learn how to build websites in my college dorm room. And I just really fell in love and really got obsessed with the the ability to just make things that anyone anywhere could see way back then in, in the mid-90s. It was really new on um, that fast feedback loop between hitting save when I wrote some code and seeing the thing I made live and my friends being able to see it. It was felt like magic at the time. So that's why I first got into it and fell in love with that feeling.
1: So so this is like the good old days where you would be typing up an HTML yep. markup language in a text editor and then you would save it and upload it to a server and then open you up the browser
0: it. yep and 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 you'd view it in Netscape Navigator right so that was that was the, the good old days for sure and and now I'm dating myself but that's that's totally okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well when did you when did you decide to actually pursue tech as a career and what was your experience like Doing that,
0: I was actually pre-med in college. Even though I loved to build websites in my dorm room, I had a couple of part-time jobs that I actually got paid to build websites and do desktop support during college, and, and loved it. But I was pre-med and took the MCATS and loved science. I took a year off and I talked my way into a job as a software consultant in 1998, and I uh, was doing Y2K testing for Ernst and Young's payroll and HR system. But I loved it. I, you know, I I loved writing code. I loved collaborating with folks. I loved seeing my work out there. And I did that for about a year. And I loved it so much. I kind of never looked back. And I I decided not to go to med school. After taking that year off, I took, you know, I took a life off and I, I couldn't see myself kind of going back to school and, and giving up the software side of things. So that's how I got into it.
1: <laughs> Th- that's incredible. Like this love sort of began while you're going to what you describe as a dork camp, but I like to think of as Camp Awesome. And then, <laughs> um, and then blossoming into continued interest in college and then turning into a career. One other thing that I thought was interesting is that your career really coincides with some major, major transformational changes in technology in general. I mean, you and I come from an era where The personal computer was just becoming a thing as we were young, right? And and we were – it was that desktop experience. Everything was local. We then started seeing things like BBSs and the birth of the internet. But you've seen things like the rise of software as a service, which was, I mean, a truly disruptive idea that went from software is something that lives on the machine in front of you to software Mm -hmm. is something that now is an ongoing service provided. What changes have you – sort of observed as you've progressed through your career, what do you think are some of the really big tentpole things in tech?
0: I'm still so surprised when I look back 20 plus years and today how fast everything can happen now. Whether you're talking about fast learning, fast iteration, fast releasing to production, right? Fast downloading, data to your phone fast installing an app on your phone over you know over your phone's internet everything is just so much faster and it lets folks in my field frankly just like build better and better and better things being able to buy almost anything my team needs to build our product is so different than 20 something years ago where you're literally writing code to do all that stuff and it's taking you 6 months just to get the plumbing in place before you're actually building the customer experiences. But, you know, especially smaller teams going from zero to one that I've done a little bit recently. But when I was the CTO at Meetup, you know, even even going from 25 to 50 million members when I was there, it was essentially the same thing. Being able to buy most of that plumbing, buying features too, that you want to ship to your customers has been, you know, just so amazing. Almost everything is commoditized now. Even building features that are standard like login or chat or or really any features you want to cobble together to create a great customer experience. And then the the awesome part is you can do that really fast, but then you can refine it. You launch, you get data right away, you can iterate that day and you know, you can launch multiple times a day to production and just make things better over time. So uh, I'm just always so like grateful and in awe of uh how quickly every part of the product development process can happen these
1: days. And it's wild. You know, you and I started our careers right when cloud computing was just starting to become something that dominates the tech industry today. Mm -hmm. And this idea of these bits and pieces that you can take and use as parts of your foundation, it really speaks to sort of the hacker ethos as well, this idea of Mm -hmm. seeing how things work and then Tweaking them so that they work in a different way, a way perhaps that wasn't necessarily intended at first, but then can create something entirely new, yeah, just just you know
0: being able to take any of the technologies out there and like you're saying, like tweak that customer experience in a way that's different or just awesome or that customers love or or drive value. like that's what gets me most excited these days, just figuring out like, How can we make customers feel great and feel like what they're doing is helping their lives, like really driving real human and real life value for them, using technology and all those things you can cobble together and and tweak for
1: sure. Well, shifting a little bit, when did you join Exos?
0: Yeah, so it seems like yesterday, but I joined last September. I guess we've all been cooped up this year, so the year has flown. But I, I, it's it's been almost a year now, and
1: it's it's been a great ride so far. And I imagine that that must have been interesting to – I mean, obviously, 2020 was such a tumultuous year. What was it like coming into an organization during a year like that? Was that organization already in sort of a, a transformational period?
0: Oh, yeah, so much, right? So for over 20 years – Exos has been training everyone from elite athletes to employees at about a quarter of the Fortune 100 companies around the world. We have hundreds of uh, corporate wellness and, and fitness centers that we run, and none of those were open when I joined in September of last year or very few of them. So I joined Wright uh, as the company was in both the middle of a transformation to make sure that we could provide virtual coaching services over technology. And the team had, had uh, very quickly launched a couple of products in two or three months, as well as figuring out how to navigate the waters of having to close all of our physical facilities. We still had some folks trickling in, but I've, I've seen both closing down but also reopening. This year has been a big year of reopening, and a lot of our clients are reopening faster than we thought. Some of them are reopening slower than they thought. It's, it's, it's very specific to regions and, and our clients' workforces. Our performance institutes have been going strong you know, pretty much all year. The, the uh, elite athletes are all back. I've been really fortunate I think to see a lot about the business uncovered in the last year I've been here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds that's more than being thrown into the deep end. I mean, the adaptability and flexibility must have been like top of the list of things that you needed to have close at hand whenever dealing on just a day-to-day basis.
0: Definitely.
2: At T-Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently, so you can focus on what matters most. Where some see another small town, we see businesses in need of connectivity. So we built the largest 5G network to cover cities, towns, and the most interstate miles in between. Where some see a caller in a queue, we see an opportunity for our experts to provide solutions without transfers where some see another virtual meeting we see 5g enabling wireless real-time translations almost anywhere you do business our unique approach has made us the leader in 5g number one in customer satisfaction and a partner who includes first-class benefits like 5g in every plan so you get it all without trade-offs unconventional thinking is better for business t-mobile for business OpenSignal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. See t For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards.
1: I hit it off with Yvette right away and wanted to learn more about her views about the role of leadership and what one should focus on in order to be a successful and effective leader. I'm really curious about how your past experiences have shaped your leadership philosophy. Can you sort of sum up how you you view the role of leadership and your approach to it?
0: Sure. To be honest, I always start by thinking about how much I've learned. I've learned from so many people I've worked with. I've learned from so many mistakes, some really big failures that I've made. One of the the values at Exos that's been core for the last 20 years, we we call continuous improvement. In the tech industry, it's often called growth mindset. You know, Jeff Bezos famously talks about failing fast and to me, that's really just been a foundation of what motivates me and, and gets me excited and, and the cultures that I wanna build. And I think, you know, that foundation really sets the stage for so many other just kind of positive team culture and, and practices, you know, eventually to products that customers love. One of the practices is just constant iteration, like constantly going hard at learning what's not working and trying to make things better and better, both small improvements, but also that's you know that's kind of how you make the bigger leaps as well. So that really grounds me from a leadership philosophy perspective.
1: Well, And I think you just touched on something that I was going to ask about next, but what do you think is the biggest challenge for someone in your role?
0: Yeah. I mean, um, similar to how I think like real estate folks say location, 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 right? I I still come down fundamentally to communication, 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 especially communication across to other teams, other functions, really thinking of my exec team as my first team and the communication and the understanding and, and the trust that needs to be built there. When you have that, the teams below you can communicate well and function well. The only other thing I'd mention about uh, about skills is just I'm a huge operator. I, I think it's really important to be able to run an efficient operation and being able to focus on both the like vision, strategy, communication, but also to be able to execute and operate on that, especially in the tech world. You need both of those things. If you don't do both, you might talk a great game and not execute. And, and if you can only execute... And not inspire people and set vision and strategy, your long term growth is really gonna be hindered. So I'm constantly just trying to get better in both those areas.
1: Well, it's nice to hear someone talk about long term growth too, because (laughs) frequently it's that next quarter or next financial year that you're hearing about. Maybe you'll hear about someone do a two year or three year plan. And obviously in tech, That can be challenging in any way because the landscape changes so quickly. But having this sort of strategic vision from a business perspective is so so valuable and so nice to hear because I'm sure a lot of our listeners have had an experience of working with an organization where there was this pervading sense that no one really knows what's coming down the line. And it just creates this sense of trepidation and anxiety. And it's really hard to motivate people in, in that respect. I imagine that a big challenge of being a CTO is developing different communication styles so that you can communicate effectively with different audiences.
0: Definitely. I have to kind of switch on the different sales modes, right? And and not sales in a bad way, but really just storytelling and, and kind of authentically selling your vision and, and what you know and what you've talked about with, with other folks and providing the information, the, the context it's, it's definitely different depending on the, the group you're communicating with, for sure.
1: Well, obviously, communication, top of, the, top of mind for your skill set. But how do you identify potential leaders in organizations when you're looking to bring in that next generation of, of leaders? What, what qualities do you find being uh, particularly important?
0: So I kind of lean on a couple of things. One is I'm a huge fan of leaders having a diversity of experiences. And what I mean by that, and and this is a little bit controversial, but I really love when leaders have worked in consulting or client services in some way, have worked at a variety of different companies or worked with a variety of different companies because I think you learn so many different ways to do things and you build up a toolkit of, you know, there's not one dogmatic right way, right? And folks who work, you know, 10 years at Fangs, they build up a a totally different toolkit of being able to do things in an amazingly great way at scale. And it suits those companies just so, so well and they're so successful because of it. They become such well-oiled machines, And then, you know, the second thing I lean on is actually building a leadership team with the right team composition. So instead of looking for the same one, two, or three things in, in each of my team members, you know, whether it's frankly like technical architecture or... Communication or being able to command a room as a leader and, and motivate, being able to operate really well and, and execute and deliver, being able to develop a, a strategy or, or vision, right? These are all things that as a leadership team, you need to be able to do. But I'm a big believer in in trying to find the right composition where there's you know a team of three, five, whatever your leadership team is, eight people. Where um you have people who can do one or two of those things
1: really, really well and and the rest of the folks compliment. I love that oceans 11 approach, right're <laughs> you, yeah. you're, you're filling out like like you're looking at where might there be a gap in the competencies that I really need to be effective and who here exemplifies a real strength in that competency and where can I maybe fit that person in or create a role I think that's a really frank and wise approach, something you don't frequently hear. You know, you see people grow that way, too, where they're mm-hmm. they're paired with folks who do have competencies that maybe the, the person doesn't have. Well, and I also loved your discussion about the diversity of perspectives. I think that's incredibly important. I mean, having an understanding of how different departments might view something is invaluable mm-hmm. because, again, I have been in organizations where Everything is so siloed that no one really understands why anyone else is doing the things they're doing. I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the biggest keys to
0: launching products that people love, frankly, is working cross-functionally. Like engineers can't deliver that. Designers can't deliver that. Product people can't deliver that. Marketing people can't deliver that. Sales folks can't deliver. You can't deliver those things in a silo. But really working as one team and making that team your first team and not your marketing team or not your engineering team is just something that I've seen be a huge unlock in the past. And it's hard to do that. Like you said, most companies easily fall into the anti-pattern of not doing that and working in those functional silos because that's how folks are organized And I I feel like I'm constantly reminding myself and my teams to, you know, push ourselves out of those silos and, like, really work as one team and, like, just like you said, understand what they're doing and why and how and, and, you know, really become – a, a, a complete crafts person, you know, if possible.
1: Mm. It it certainly it certainly heads off the problem of having almost adversarial relationships yes. between departments. Because I, I mean, I've seen it; it's heartbreaking. Because you know that individually, they know what I'm doing is important for the mission of the organization. But I'm having to I'm I'm, I'm doing my work in spite of what these other people are doing which seems to be an impediment to achieving the mission and and, and the other groups thinking the same thing at the same yep. time and uh and yeah avoiding that i think is absolutely important yeah and
0: and it's so hard to do consistently right like i just got feedback from our head of people you know a couple of months ago that i was doing that and other people were noticing and and you know I, I thought to myself, oh boy, I, I totally am doing that. And I haven't been, you know, understanding and talking with the CMO enough and really building that trust and really showing that cross-functional alignment. And I got to practice what I preach. I really focused a lot of my like mental energy on making sure I got better in that area in that particular time, right? In this, like you said, this really fast moving year. I'm at a new company and. I got some great feedback, and it's a constant work. You can't just think you're, you're going to coast in that area ever.
1: It's not like you wake up one morning and you're like, well, solve that problem. Let's Yeah, move on. totally.
0: <laughs> yeah. Solve that problem that every company faces every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in that respect, I do have another question. How is Exos unique among the companies that you've worked for in the past? And in what ways would you say is it similar to other companies you've worked with?
0: Yeah, so I think one way it's unique is that our our software product is really based on our members achieving their goals, becoming healthier, becoming more fit, you know, improving their wellness, getting motivated, having a positive outlook and and this kind of real human connection between our world-class coaches and practitioners and our members and when I was looking for a new job last year you know, I, I kind of became hooked on this whole idea of building software that, that really helped people in real life and helped their real lives as opposed to just getting them to click a like button and scroll a feed over and over again. And there aren't that many companies out there that tech is enabling like real positive change. I, I kind of became hooked on tech is not the end goal in products when I worked at Meetup. And, you know, Exos is really squarely in that camp as well. And while there's plenty of missions that that say tech does that, to find a company that truly technology is not the end game, our products really enable our coaches to motivate and, and help our members achieve their goals and, and become healthier. And, and it's really an enabler for that, an enabler for that human connection that's one thing I think is unique and different. And we, and we need to approach how we build our product that way. Again, the teams can't fall back into just building product for the product's sake. We always have to remember that it's for that human connection. And if we're not achieving that, then it doesn't matter how great <laughs> the product is, frankly. Uh, and, uh, I think, you know, that it, it's similar in the extent that we're going from zero to one with some new virtual coaching products that we've been building this past year. And all the, you know, all the things you know about going from zero to one and and product development practices and learning quickly and talking with your customers, like all those things still apply. You know, I, I hired an amazing head of product that partners with me this year. And it's been really fun, but also familiar to build some Greenfield products here. And I, I felt a lot of support from the exec team, especially from the CEO and and CFO, and that feels very normal, very positive, but also very much like what a healthy startup product environment
1: should, should feel like. So can you tell me a little bit more about the sort of technologies that your company is using? You touched on virtual coaches. I'd love to hear more about that.
0: So like I said we really view technology as the means to enable mm-hmm. our world, world-class coaches and science-backed coaching methodology that we've developed for the past 20 plus years but it's not technology isn't the product mm-hmm. and it's it's not the way we help people achieve their goals it's it's the way we connect those folks for us data is so key so one of the first things I did when I joined was hire a ahead of data as well, and, and really build out that capability to be stronger and stronger. We have a vision to be able to integrate. You know, we, we view ourselves far more like a performance and, and wellness OS of sorts, rather than, say, a direct competitor to maybe an Apple Fitness Plus or or a Peloton. We're not in the hardware-making business, We're never going to create the breadth and success of content like an Apple or a Peloton who have way more resources to to pay and produce content. But our coaches can help you find all of those things. And our software, through personalization and, and data algorithms, can help you come up with the best game plan and practices for you that may utilize some of the things that you're doing, like maybe Peloton or, or Apple or whatever with other services and products that, that we know about. And so, so we, we see ourselves really integrating with best in class services and, and hardware. Definitely wearables being able to integrate with wearables and for our coaches to get that pretty rich and fast loop of data back really helps them be better coaches, whether it's sleep data or heart rate data or, or whatever it is. So we're looking at being a, a pretty agnostic partner, integrating with hardware products and services wherever it helps our coaches be better coaches for our members.
1: And this is fascinating to me because one of the other technological changes, I would say, that has happened over the last you know decade, really, is the rise of the quantifiable where we now have all these pieces of technology that can quantify different aspects of our lives, whether it's our heart rate or oxidation rate or uh, the the quality of sleep we're getting. You know, we we really saw that take off maybe about five or six years ago. But the fact that now that is also paired with the capabilities of big data systems where we're able Mm -hmm. to actually look for meaningful information within this just – mass of data that comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how does that all play a part? Is this like part of the strategy is just mining that information to find the things that are are most impactful and important and uh, provide the, the best course to achieve the goals of your customers?
0: You know, Definitely. Um, we want our customers to be all in, right? Mm-hmm. We we want them to actively want to share this data with us. We want them to see the value of it and see the value that they're getting from a, a coaching perspective from it. Since we're in the in the business of humans and, and improving health outcomes and human performance. We follow the gold standard of data privacy, data security. We're not selling people's data, right? That's not our business model. So, so we take that really seriously. But yes, we want to integrate with the data that, that is available and that they're generating so that. We can help our coaches scale and take away the mundane work in in the coaching world, but also uh, recommend to them things that our algorithms are seeing in the data someday. So you can imagine personalizing game plans and and coaching plans for our members. But I I think there is likely more value in using data to scale to a, a larger number of of clients, but also to be able to understand insights faster and more frequently about how to better coach these folks.
1: Well, and you mentioned earlier about how a big transformation in tech is just the the speed at which we're able to do things and the speed at which we're able to access things. And one of the big components that I see now that's unfolding, it's it's unrolling throughout the United States is the rollout of 5G and how that's enabling incredible fast data throughput with very low latency. Uh, with this, this sort of Ecosystem, where you have Internet of Things devices that are collecting data, you've got uh, the back-end systems that are able to analyze data and make that something that is actionable, whether it's with coaches or with members. How does 5G play a role in your strategy moving forward? Yeah,
0: it's it's great to think about it. You know, we're in the human positive behavior changing business. And that's hard and relies on just like the right amount of motivation, sometimes from a human coach, sometimes from a software robot that can mimic uh, a coach as best as possible, but the right motivation, the right nudge at the right time. And we need, we need this product to be with our coaches and members everywhere they go, frankly, in order to do a good job with that. And in order for them to really feel like it's helping and and driving that value for them. So in addition to their wearable devices, which are collecting data, we need to be there with them as well. So the more reliable, the faster these devices can collect and transmit data and and be there for our customers, the better that we can be at those kind of motivational and behavior-changing experiences that we can deliver to them. So frankly, like, the better those pipes can be for us, the more successful we're going to be in in
1: someone's life. And I imagine there are going to be some incredible opportunities moving forward. I mean, when you're talking about working with professional level athletes or Olympic athletes, you're talking about Mm -hmm. a level of performance that Goes well beyond the the company softball league here at iHeart. Um, so, <laughs> which I'm sure you back clean up at and and are really racking in the the doubles. As right? as a lefty, <laughs> as a lefty, I, oh. everyone just comes in. They, they're, just, they're like, all right, let's all just stroll in about eight steps because Jonathan's not going to knock it out of the park. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, like when you're talking about that level and you start to see the potential to partner with companies that are creating more precise sensors mm-hmm. for very, very specific types of athletic activity and the ability to collect that information in real time and analyze it in real time and act on it in real time so that... Like if you're an Olympic athlete who discovers that that they can get an edge by just doing something just a little bit different, and they find out right at that moment, I can't imagine how valuable that information has to be to those people.
0: It it, it absolutely is, and you know I've learned a lot talking with our coaches, and and we have neuroscientists, nutritionists, other practitioners on on staff, in addition to coaches and trainers and physical therapists and that sort of thing. And we have a four-pillar methodology: mindset, nutrition, movement, and recovery. And and sleep is in, in, in recovery. And and I've learned a lot from them about how, especially in the mindset and recovery pillars, like you know, a- athletes, their whole lives have been going hard at kind of the movement, the fitness, the nutrition. There's a lot out there, but uh, our more integrated approach, especially with mindset and recovery really helps them with that last 20%, so to speak. That's hard for them to get in the context of their movement and their nutrition also. So being able to give those athletes that 20% edge with a more integrated approach is just so, so helpful for them. We've just seen it in the results and the outcomes and why, why those elite athletes keep coming back to us year over year.
1: I couldn't let a vet go without asking her one more thing. And what is a challenge you think every organization faces? I'm sure some
0: orgs nail this, but at every company, at least I've been at, um, I've learned the hard lesson um, of how hard it is to really build a culture around optimizing for outcomes. So optimizing for real, measurable business results and and. Giving teams clear direction on those and letting them run and problem solve versus optimizing for outputs and um, optimizing for X feature delivered on Y date. If you optimize for outcomes, um, you're empowering your teams to figure out the features and the dates. But really, you know, as a leadership team, really what you're optimizing for are the business results that you and your board know you need to be to be successful versus if you're optimizing for deliverables, you actually never know if you're going to hit those results. So that's been something that I've just like constantly learned over and over again and and think a lot of folks face that.
1: Yeah, I think optimizing for uh, outcomes sounds like uh, let engineers be engineers. They're the problem (laughs) solvers. Let them solve the problems.
0: Yeah. Let the teams be problem-solving teams. Exactly. Especially those cross-functional teams. Engineers can't do it on their own. Really empowering those cross-functional teams is to me like the sweet spot of a leader. If you can figure out how to do that well, you're know, like, you're and hire great people. You're going to get really good outcomes and business results.
1: Yvette, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much. This was super fun, Jonathan. And uh, I really, uh, really appreciate it. It was great to connect with you about, you know, the the timing of our love for tech and those early days. Super cool. Thank you.
1: I truly enjoyed my conversation with Yvette. Apart from bonding over the sometimes tedious experience of building out a website in HTML, I loved her views about acknowledging failure and learning from it, and not being afraid to make mistakes as long as you are responsible in how you handle them. I am eager to see how the future of tech can enable us to become our best selves. I think companies like Exos and leaders like Avet will be a big part of that. Thank you for listening to The Restless Ones. Be sure to tune in to future episodes where I'll have more conversations with leaders in tech who are shaping the future of how technology and business intertwine. I'm Jonathan Strickland.
2: At T-Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've become the leader in 5G. Number one in customer satisfaction and a partner who includes 5G in every plan. So you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. OpenSignal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network. USA 5G user experience report July 2021. Capable device acquired Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See t-mobile.com. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com awards.